This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. <laughs> and now we're live. <laughs> Hello, Joachim. This is about the most relaxed podcast I've uh, I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. <laughs> now, hopefully we won't see too much about that. <laughs> For my uh, for my listeners, Joachim uh, answers this uh, this uh, FaceTime podcast episode shirtless, shirtless and in bed. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit uh, hungover, you could say. Are you a little uh, bit hungover? Are you out there? Do are you out there living the artist life? Uh, no, not really. I I was uh, drinking alone yesterday. Oh God, that's sad. That's sad. Do you do you need a hug? Put a shirt on and I'll give you. Put a shirt on. I'll be right there and I'll give you a hug. Thank you. No, I, I, I was I was having. Uh, um, I was going to make some um, some steak. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it turned out to be an amazing dinner by myself. Oh uh, man! But, and uh, it was an amazing wine. Uh, next to it, so red, red or white? No, it was red. It was, it was red. red. Okay. Yeah, I um. I wrote down uh, what it was called because it was so it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, I tell you, this is uh, like I said, this is probably the most relaxed I've started a podcast ever, where, where my guest is still laying in bed. I love yeah. it. <laughs> That's first time for everything, I guess. First time for everything. So, how how you been doing, man? You've been pretty active out there on the stand up scene. Yes, uh, there's there's been a lot uh, going on actually lately, and tell me about it. Um, yeah, and uh, the last two uh, performances, I would say I finally, uh, some way, fo- uh, have found my uh, true style, you can say. Okay. So, so I'm feeling it's going somewhere now. You know, well, we've been practicing, doing yeah, sets and everything, but now people are laughing hard. <laughs> I, I like it. I tell you, it's, um, you know, I, I see you, you'll, you'll make a post. You know, if if we go back a couple months, you would post, yeah, I was out on stage on the mic at this place and had a great time. And then that would be it. But now yeah. when you're posting, you're getting more, I, I can just, I, I can hear it in the way that you're wording how it was. I can see that you're enjoying yourself a lot more. So I've seen this development of yours over time just over the last couple three months it seems like you're really really getting into it really enjoying yourself and definitely getting out there with more frequency now than you were before yeah but that that's that's true because um as we spoke about before if you have uh, a set going not too well if you have too many of them you will start doubting yourself and uh, that's not a good feeling but now it's uh, it's like I'm seeing the light in the tunnel. I love you know? it. I love yeah, so, it. So now, now you're you're absolutely right. It's it's fun again. But that that yeah. moment, yeah. those moments of doubt, that long period where you're not really getting the response, isn't that normal? Because you know some people are quite talented writers, and they'll write a new five minutes, and they'll go out and it kills. It's just awesome right away. But most people have to go through a process where they do a lot of editing, they do a lot, make a lot of changes, just to get five minutes. It, you might have to get on the mic five or six times just to make a five minute bit solid. So isn't that to be expected that there's these moments of doubt, these moments of the low response? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But uh, and uh, yeah, 
and um, also what is uh, great about working that way is uh, that eventually now uh, there's no problem having you know five to seven minutes that just floats because that, that before you know you, yeah as you're saying you you can put together stuff but it's not always uh what can you say it's not always that easy to to get that flow going you know it's and not that, it's not easy uh, yeah and then it's just a bunch of jokes but um but now i feel you know you feel the connection with the audience because th- that's that's a thing uh, that most people forget in the beginning i think they just get up on stage and they talk and they don't really care about the audience yeah now yeah. you know now I'm, it's a big part of it to make eye contact. If someone does something, yeah, say something about that, you know, include yes. the audience in, in the jokes. Yeah. It's about, it, it, them. Yeah, I mean, it's about being spontaneous and it's about feeding off of the audience. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a communication thing. It's not a monologue. A lot of people think stand up is a monologue, but it's not, it's a discussion with the audience. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then if you can get them, um, you know, uh, two nights ago, uh, it was this um, open scene. It's called... Uh, like it an open mic, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it was at uh, Henriken before. Yeah. They uh, open up again. And uh, I wasn't supposed to do uh, any stand-up that night, but I put my name in uh, in the hat. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah, I could say not to... Um, uh, what can you say? Piss on everyone, uh, on uh, <laughs> anyone else. But they said it themselves. But it was a kind of a dull night. You okay. know? It wasn't okay. a lot of laughs. The audience was. Yeah. It was a difficult. Yeah. But but I did really well. I got a lot of uh, laughs. Man, that's a good feeling. Yeah, and um, yeah. So I just wanted to. Yeah, my point was that because I saw someone, you know, someone in the audience laughing. Uh, a lot uh, of something, and then I just, you know, drew my attention to them and just fed yes. off the laughter, and then it just spread around. So it, it was well. Laughter is contagious. Yeah. Laughter yes, is contagious. Was. Yes. Yeah. So it was an important lesson. So, so Hendriken is open now. What's going on there? Because I had heard it was shut down. I had no idea. No, it was no, open it, again. it is. It is. It's just um, uh, um, the stand-up nights are going on elsewhere. I see. So it was a stand-up portion of Henriken that went away. Yes. No, no, Henriken is closed, I think. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just the people that had the stand-up, you know, they just uh, (laughs) take it somewhere else. It was was a nice place and everything. But it was, uh, I know it's not allowed to, to say, but it was a difficult audience. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, uh, you, you'll hear people who will say there's no such thing as a bad audience. It's just a bad performance. I don't I don't believe that. No, I don't believe that either. I remember probably <laughs> probably the worst I ever did. And I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was hilarious that I did so bad. Uh, it was a uh, they, they called it culture night. Uh, uh, here in Drammen yep. uh, a couple of years ago or la- last year, last summer, I think it was. And. They, they open up all of the clubs. They open up all of the, the venues and people can just go in. It was free and they can be entertained. 
so we we were a group of people and we're we're doing stand up in this in this place in Drummond and there is such a thing as a stand up crowd you know the people are there for stand up okay this was not a yeah. stand up crowd this was just random people who were walking the streets of you know the center of Drummond going into these different venues just to see what was happening uh-huh. and and if if you don't have the mindset the the stand up comedy mindset if you're not prepared for stand up comedy and then all of a sudden you have a comic who's standing there talking about maybe racial issues or sexual innuendo and things like that it doesn't go over very well because no because they're not prepared exactly yeah maybe uh you know maybe they just got done eating ice cream with their 10 year old son for example and then all of a sudden you're up there <laughs> talking about you know <laughs> whatever so so i do believe that there is such a thing as a bad crowd in other words a crowd that is not in that stand up frame of mind yeah and i i remember we we actually talked about this a little bit uh, before, uh, when we were setting up this uh, uh, this appointment um, about you know small crowds versus big crowds, remember? Yes, yes. Yeah, because uh, people w- would be terrified if um, yeah, in, um, if the crowd is uh, is large. But as we said, it's different with stand up. It's actually easier if there's a lot of people. I think so. Yeah, I think so too. I think so. As yeah. as a musician, I can get up there and, and sing and perform with a band if there's nobody in the house. If there's like two or three people, I can do that because then you're feeding off of the other people in the band. But doing stand-up in front of two or three or five people, and I've done that. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that's, that's just not... I don't know. I kind of turned that into just a practice session. I'm not trying to make those people laugh. I'm just trying to deliver my material and see how I yes. feel about it. You cannot judge material when there's only four or five people in the audience. You just can't do it. Give me, give no. me that big crowd anytime. I'm actually less nervous in front of a big crowd than I am in front of those four or five people. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel, I feel the same. I feel the same. So, yeah, so and, uh, yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no. I was just thinking because you um, asked a bit about um, uh, uh, yeah. Since I've been active now, first yes. it was the, you know the deluxe festival that that was fun. Uh, it was a large crowd there, and yeah. Well, how many comics were there that night? Uh, you mean uh, on all the stages? Yeah. Or, yeah. All together. Uh, in one night, uh, it must have been 20 uh, yeah. or something. So yeah. those pe- that was a crowd that was there for stand-up. Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, awesome. Mm. And then uh, I went to uh, Lillestrøm. Yeah. And uh, th- it was a big crowd there as well. Yeah. I- I've been uh, saying it was um, more than 100 people, but yeah. I've been corrected now. It was 97. <laughs> oh, you know what? Whoever told you it was ninety-seven is just—they're a, a dream. That, that's what I call a dream killer. A, that, that is a dream killer, right there. <laughs> but, but uh, as I said to to the guy that said that, uh, I just said, yeah. But we were also the comedians, you know, the staff. So yeah. 
it was more than 100 people. <laughs> well, <laughs> well that, that's a dream killer right there. No, so that, that is a, um, that's a good-sized crowd. Yeah. That's a good-sized crowd, up around 100 people. That's, you can definitely get the right kind of feedback from that. Oh, yeah, and there was mostly women as well. And they really, liked, really, yeah, they liked the what? What can you say? The dirty stuff. They do. Yeah, so that was the, a good confirmation that. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I have a new opener now, which works really well. Okay. And it's, yeah. it's really, uh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I tried that for the first time. Yeah. Lillestrøm, and yeah. it worked. So yes. now I'm using that one. Well, I tell you, there's something funny though about the women, and they, when they respond to the to the dirty, you know, the sexual innuendo, uh, mm. they, uh, I found out because I have a bit um, where I kind of mix the racial issues, you know, things about racism, and I mix that with some sexual things, and it is always the women who respond, and it's a funny response. It's a mixture of, oh my gosh, this guy knows me, and. <laughs> it's that's that's like underneath the laughter that they have and it's just an awesome response but it's the women who who respond to those kind of things more than the men i wonder why that is <laughs> no, they, uh, because they're so uh what can you say um uh yeah they're trying to oh, what's the word in english i'm thinking uh, in norwegian diasho ontle is well, that, yeah, down to earth. They're more straightforward. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they just want to get it out, their system, you know? I'd say right. probably every time I've performed, it has been at least 50% men, 50% women, but maybe a majority women every time, actually. Now that I think about it, I haven't really thought about that, but yeah, quite a few women are showing up to stand up. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. different. It hasn't always been that way from what I understand here in Norway. No, but I, yeah, because uh, now I just started to think also about one time at uh, Steinosh. Yeah. Yeah, I was doing, uh, the, the, it wasn't going very, very well, but this lady was just, you know, laughing. So <laughs> <laughs> that makes you just uh, do your thing, you know? <laughs> I, um, so many times I've had to, improvise on my opener. In other words, I, I talking about feeding off of the crowd, you know, I'm, I guess I'm a bit of a sight when I come on stage, you know, I'm, I'm this, this black guy. It's already been announced that I'm an American and, and I'm, I'm big, this big muscular guy. And I come up on stage and, and very often the women will comment, you know, Ooh, or, ah, you know, something like that. And that you right, to, and right yeah. there, I just yes. have to go for it. And it will yeah. totally change my opener, which will <laughs> then totally change the whole rhythm of my entire set. And I love it. I just, I love when those kind of things happen and all of a sudden I'm in no man's land and I have room to maneuver. You know, sometimes it doesn't go well, but more often than not, it it's at least enjoyable. And again, I don't, I, I can enjoy myself even if I'm bombing. I see humor in that. I laugh at myself if I'm bombing. <laughs> but, uh, but that, that ability to, or that opportunity rather to, to improvise and kind of start floating around in no man's land. I love it. That That's a rush right there. That is a big time adrenaline rush and I love it. Yeah. But that's what makes um, us more professional as well, because, um, the fact that even though we are bombing, 
<laughs> which I mean, it, it happens. Happened. It happens. Yeah, but instead of just walking off, you know, you just yeah, you just do your ten minutes yeah. regardless. I yeah. I don't care. Yeah, you you're not laughing. Well, yeah. Well, I'm, and, I'm and, and if, if you go into it with the mindset that you're going to learn something from this set, whether it goes good or whether it goes bad, um, you know, we're still fairly new at this. So every time we get up there is definitely a, an opportunity to learn something. And I enjoy that process. But um, but again, there's this it's, it's kind of you can get disheartened when you're trying new material and. It's not working because you have to try it. You don't know. You might feel like it's going to work, but you don't know if it's going to work until you know. Yeah, I've done that. Um, not that many weeks ago, I was, um, what do you call it, when you are um, not one of the comedians, but you, you are the comedian, but you are a host. Yeah, when you're the host. The host, yeah, the MC. I, I, I was the, so, yeah, I was the MC, so... Uh, I decided to try some stuff in between yeah. and it worked the first time, you know, but then, but then I was just, I didn't get any laughter, you know, oh, <laughs> so, <man>. you know. <laughs> well, that's when you stop trying to be funny and you just introduce the next comic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's gosh. what I did. And then when I got up again, I tried something new one more time and it didn't laugh either. So uh, that was that was not good, but I managed to um, uh, to say something funny uh, the third time. <laughs> but but I was funny bef before, and you know it was just two of the new bits was not working. But I thought they were funny, so I, I didn't understand why. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: Do you record all of your sets? No, I, I know I should do, but I film them from time to time. Okay. Not always, but I should uh, record everything. I have every one of yeah. my sets recorded, uh, and that's actually part of my act. I explain why I have to record, and I blame it on my wife being a crazy uh, psalmist <laughs> woman with a knife. <clears throat> but I record every set, yeah. and it's, it's, it's very interesting to go back. Uh, and actually, I've never listened to an ins entire set. I will go back and listen to certain areas of a set that I was wondering about as I was doing it. And... Sometimes when I feel like something went terrible, you know, maybe I stumbled with my delivery and I just didn't feel right as I was doing that bit. When I go back and listen to it, sometimes the crowd is laughing pretty hard, but I was so much in my head and not in the moment that I didn't realize the crowd was responding. Well, I was just frustrated at the moment because I messed up the delivery. Yes. You know, but they don't know I'm messing up the delivery. Only I know how I wrote it and how I wanted to say it. So it's a very, um, it's it's something it's something that I've learned a lot from just having that recording and being able to go back and analyze the parts that I thought did not go well. I I, I like it. It's um, yeah. for me, it's important. I have to be able to do that. Um, otherwise, if if I didn't do that, I would probably end up just beating myself up over and over. Why didn't I say it right? Why didn't I do this right? Whereas if I can go back and listen to it, and then I might realize that I, I did say it right, or I said it well enough to where I actually got a good response. Yeah. But it's interesting because um, how important just, you know, switching some words, yeah. saying it, yes. you know. Tone of voice. Yes. Yeah. It does everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it can just, if you mess that up, then 
yeah, you you can get laughter and uh, or you could get nothing. Yeah, based I, was, on, uh, I was listening to Bill Burr the other day. Who that man just cracks me up. I don't know if you're, you're into Bill. Yeah, Burr. yeah, no, I like him too. And he was talking about because now in the states because of Corona, <clears throat> they're trying to find ways to do uh, stand up comedy because a lot of the venues are closed or you can only get like twenty percent uh, capacity in these different venues, and that's not. A good enough you know nobody's going to make any money people are going to lose money so what they're doing is they're going to parking lots yeah. and cars can park and then they have a good pa system so that everyone can hear we actually did that in norway as well not not me but i've seen it okay uh, yeah. yeah and so what, they probably stole it from america yeah. and he was well and here's what was very interesting is that uh, he was talking about, he was going on and on with some kind of uh, misogynistic thing against uh, uh, against women, you know, against feminists and whatnot. And there was a car with four or five ladies in it, and they stick that one of them stuck their head out the window and cussed him out and said, and we're, we're leaving. We're leaving, this woman says. Well, well, it was in the evening, and apparently they had their headlights on. For a long time, so it ran the battery out of their car, ah. and they couldn't leave. So Bill got like 10, 15 minutes of just being able to tear into these women for fifteen, like 10 or 15 minutes, just going, you know, and you know how Bill can get, yeah. and just going off on these women. And the rest of the crowd was going crazy and loving it, but these women kind of opened the door and gave him that opportunity to improvise and just go yeah. and just go after them. Yeah, he did that with an audience. Uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, Philadelphia. Have you have you heard that? Yeah, yes. Yeah, I, I, I think that's great. I because love it. Now that's just, that's someone who just, you know, you you have to have confidence. You got to have guts to get up and yeah. do stand up. You have to, uh, whether you're good or bad at it. But to be in front of a crowd, I don't know. Mm. however many thousands whether this is an outdoor arrangement so there's maybe 10,000 people in this in this stadium and to have yeah. the guts to stand up there what was it like a 15 minute set where yeah. all he was doing was trashing the city of Philadelphia <laughs> cussing them out going on and on and on about yeah yeah because they had booed mm. they had booed everyone else had gotten booed it was just yeah, a, ba a bad audience. They didn't like anybody that was up there. They were booing constantly. And Bill Burke came out, and the first words out of his mouth was, you're not going to boo me off of the stage. I got 10 minutes to do, and I'm going to do these 10 minutes no matter yes. what. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I actually um, um, uh, started to, like, write down and practicing things to say, you know, if people, ah. uh, you know. Uh, trying to um, <laughs> yeah, say something because I, I want to be that guy that no one wants to, you know, <laughs> try. Because um, if someone heckles me, uh, I'm usually good uh, with the heckles. Yeah. But I want to be better, you know. I want to have something really funny and clever to say. Yeah, I think the worst thing a comic can do is ignore the hecklers. Because yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. telling the audience that you're too afraid to engage them. And that's not a good yes. thing. You've got to be fearless when you get up there. You've got to engage them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if, uh, if I have something prepared, then uh, it's easier, you know? Then you almost want someone to yes. say something. Yeah, yeah. That's a better feeling than yeah. being afraid. 
<laughs> no, it's a good thing to be trigger happy up there. You hope somebody will, will try to get in your way so that you can have that have that confrontation. I, I like it. Yeah, the, you know, the first uh, the first time I was uh, hosting, um, I, I only done it twice, so I'm not saying <laughs> I've done it a lot. But, but the first time, <laughs> there that was maybe the craziest night of heckling I've ever witnessed. Really, really, yeah. But uh, it, it was fun. I mean, we um, handled it, um, yeah, very well. So uh, I um, I don't get heckled that often, but when I do, I am always prepared for it because I, I I've been in Norway almost twenty years, so I know what makes Norwegians uncomfortable. <laughs> and that's where you. Should, and that's uh, where I go. Yeah, that's where I go. If they <laughs> if they want to mess with me, I I welcome it, and I just pull out my little arsenal of, and and you know, and and this is me being married to my crazy Norwegian wife for twenty years, picking messing with her, picking on her all yeah. the time. So I know I know, <laughs> I know the things that get that get Norwegians. So. Now I I you know you make me you above any other comic here in Norway that I know. You are making me miss being on the mic the most. Oh, that, that's a because compliment. well, yeah, and and, and it's uh, and and uh, it's it's because I can see your progression. I can see that you're enjoying yourself like you never have before. Um, I think back to when the the first time I met you, and you were good. You've always been good, but where I see the changes in your confidence. And that's just from the comments that you've made as we've spoken and the comments I see on your, on your social media. It's been a, you're, you're, you're on a journey and you're in, you're climbing higher and it's a pretty cool thing to see. So thank you for that inspiration. No, thank you. That's, uh, I mean, we, we should always, yeah. Um, uh, you, I mean, um, <laughs> Look at you getting all tongue tied. You yeah. see, I know Norwegians, you guys get uncomfortable when you get yeah. a compliment. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> to be, but uh, that was a great compliment. So just, uh, yeah. Hey, everybody, Joachim is red from his forehead all the way down to his nipples. Remember, he's shirtless. So. <laughs> That's true. No, but I tell you, I, th I, yeah. I think Norwegian comics would, would, they would benefit the entire comedian environment in Norway if they were better at being a united front, you know, uh, sharing compliments, you know, doing things like this and bringing each other on podcasts and, 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 you know, giving each other a shout out. It seems like it's very much an individual thing rather than a team thing. Yeah. If I can no, criticize, I, I don't want to criticize too much, but, but if I have one thing to criticize, it is that. Yeah. 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 No, but I totally agree. And that's why I, I, I say, I say uh, that to people all the time. Yeah. As well, and we need to, um, yeah, to help each other out, and you know, it's a it's a lonely business and it's a tough business. So, uh, it's a yeah. tough business. It's not, um, you know, back in the United States, I think there's more of an opportunity for a stand up to make some money and make a living off of it, uh, even if you're just a mediocre stand up. Just the sheer volume of venues will make it possible for you to. Yeah, if not make money, you can at least get on the mic a little bit more often yeah. than you can in Norway. Um, there's also a wider variety of crowds in the States. Yeah. You know, you can go on a club where it's all black people 
in the States. Oh, yeah, here's, hold on one second. They're, they're leaving. My wife and kids are going out to, I don't know, what are you guys going to do, hunt for bears or something? They're going to spend, <laughs> they're going out to spend the night up in the mountains somewhere. Nice. I, yeah. You guys leaving? All right, Snoop. Yeah. Bye. Don't break any laws. Yeah, leave that open, please. Or no, shut it, please. I don't want to get an echo. Thank you. Bye. So they're going uh, to the mountains? Or? Yeah, they're going uh, camping. They got these, um, oh, wow, what do you call that in English? Uh, hang, okay, uh, a hammock, a hammock. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to sleep in, they're going to sleep in hammocks. And, um, uh, you know, they went out and they bought new, new sleeping bags because it's getting chillier outside and stuff. So they're going to go out and do that. I'm stuck here with you, but they're going to go out in the... <laughs> <laughs> I, I saved you. You saved from... <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Joachim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah. it's actually pretty cold outside now. So, uh... Yeah, when, winter time is, is right around the corner. You know, this, this is Norway after all. Yeah. You know, I, I, I wanted to ask you... Um, uh, and I, wanted, I just want to throw this in because I'm, I've been meaning to ask you this for quite some time and the, the last time I had you on, I didn't really get into it. I didn't get into it when I had you on the phone the other day. So let me ask you this. How yeah. do you feel about controversial material? For example, I'm thinking about Bill Burr, who, um, and I'm also thinking about what Joe Rogan is going through right now. You know, people are accusing people like Bill Burr, Joe Rogan of being misogynist, you know, women haters, uh, racist mm. and things like that. And it's almost as if people just hear the joke uh, they probably weren't even there. They're hearing a recording or they're hearing someone else tell a, a joke yeah. that, that you said. And then they're taking their interpretation of it and they're labeling the comic as a racist or as a, uh, you know, uh, 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 some sort of, you know, right wing extremist. Whereas the comic is just, see, we, we or at least I, anyway, I, I joke about the things that are difficult in society. Yeah. If you were to listen to my jokes that I tell about my wife, you would probably think my wife is this oppressed, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, you know, but, but, yeah. but it's a joke and there's a meaning behind it. You know, there's a message yeah. within the joke. Are yeah. you afraid? Have you ever been afraid of saying I, anything I, on stage? Yeah, I, I have been afraid, but this is, um, why the two last times and I found my, Thing, I think it's yeah. because I'm not not afraid anymore yeah and I say a lot of <laughs> controversial stuff but uh, as you say as long as people know that I want uh, I am um, I'm a good guy I uh, want uh, equal rights for everyone every so and because of that I'll joke uh, uh, about anything. Well, let me ask you this. Now, I, I know you're a good guy, and your friends, family, mm. and your fellow comics know you're a good guy, but for that new audience member who's never seen you before, do you worry about what they will think? Because they don't know automatically that yeah, you're a good guy. That, do you I, worry I about that? I have uh, to come across in my set so they understand what kind of guy I am. Because before, I, I think that they don't uh, know if I'm good or bad. And so they won't laugh. But now they they know that I'm a good guy, so they they can 
Ralph. So, so and do you have a? Can can it be said then that you have a, a couple of goals uh, within your comedy? And one, of course, is to make people laugh. But another is to express yourself in such a way that people get a look at what type of a person you are. Is that a goal or? My goal is to to make people laugh, and yeah, that that's my goal. That's I mean, pretty much my, it. My, yeah. my, my my opening line, uh, and this is you know the opening line that I'm using now. That that it, it's uh, it's a rape joke. Ah, and yes. uh, and and they, and I don't say anything about who I am, my name, or nothing. I just come. You just go right into I'll, that. Yeah, right into that, and then. It just goes from there. <laughs> See, I, be- I don't I don't believe that comedy can be funny or well, how do I say this? You're losing you you can lose a lot of the funniness in stand-up comedy if you avoid the difficult subjects. And it mm. seems almost as if there is a portion of the potential audience out there that doesn't want us to talk about those difficult subjects. You know, they hear Bill mm. Burr uh, you know, talking about uh, women or, or talking about, um, you know, lesbians or talking about feminists. And yeah. they assume that he is anti all of those things. Yeah, but that, that's where they go wrong, right? Oh. Because uh, I... Um, it's the cancel culture. Tells, yeah, but, but if someone tells a joke about, uh, you know, children dying or something, I, I might not think that's funny, but I... Then what I do is I look at, you know, how the joke is built up. And if yeah. I see this, this is constructed as a joke and someone worked on this, yeah. then I can appreciate that joke, sure. even though I don't think it's funny, right. you know? Right. So that that's, but if someone just says something to be mean, you know, that, that that's something else. Yeah. But if you say that, you know, okay, so I try to do something about, uh, I, I, Let's say I'll go on stage. I do something about race or something. It doesn't work. It's not funny. But still, okay, I tried. I have to go back to the drawing table, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't say that, you know... That's okay. I did that. Now I'm a racist. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 for, for, for me, I, I truly enjoy seeing a Norwegian comic who tries to tackle uh, racial issues in their act. Not a lot of Norwegians do that. No, but we we don't have the guts, you know. Exactly. That's the thing. Exactly. Yeah. I I. And I think that's why such a large part of my act goes on specifically on that subject because I know yeah. how uncomfortable it makes people. And, and, and you know, we we want we, we now. I mean, we want uh, to have equality. Yeah. You know, we want this stuff to to go away but so we have to talk about it yeah. especially especially white people I have but to, we have to be yeah we have to be educated though that's the thing well that's the you thing yeah you you can't get up there and try to be funny about race if you've never thought about race because then no, you're just no, going to no, come no. off as either as a racist or as at least or as an idiot, idiot. yeah, no, yeah exactly. so you've you've got to you've <laughs> got to do some research you have to know the subject matter you can't just get up there and try to be no, funny no 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 that's uh yeah Oh, that's insane. I have to say one of the best uh, one of the best examples of a Norwegian uh, talking about race or, or even approaching race. He wasn't necessarily talking about race, but Jon does said this. I've talked about this before on other yeah. episodes. I don't I don't remember if I've told you this or not. 
uh, Yon Yarda was the MC, and we were five or six uh, comedians there. So Yon Yarda was doing his thing uh, after a comic had finished, and he was telling some story. I can't remember the exact story, but something about mm. like he was moving from one house to another. And he had gathered up all of his things and he had a bunch of big black trash bags uh, full of garbage laying around his house. And then he says, yeah, and speaking of big black things full of garbage, here's John Allen. <laughs> that, was his, that was his introduction. And I, I, I almost fell out of my chair. I almost had to crawl up to the microphone. That was probably the funniest introduction I've ever heard. Forget about it being yeah. about me. That's probably just period. The funniest introduction I ever heard. And it was so it's, funny. It's, yeah, and it's it's not mean. It's just it's an he saw an opportunity. He saw an opportunity and yeah, he took and it. He took it. Took it was it. funny yeah. as heck. And I wish I wish there was more freedom in front of the mic because there are issues in Norway. And I don't know. There's the, people can be funny about whatever they want. I'm not going to try and tell people what they should do in their act. But I I guess I miss. I I miss hearing uh, more controversy from Norwegian comics. Yeah, a lot of them have a tendency to be too safe. But I'll I'll uh, run by some jokes. Um, yeah, by uh, I mean I I can obviously talk to you. So if I write some jokes, I'll uh, run them by you first. Oh, if you, yeah, if you, if you, you know. if you ever wanted to, to, to do that, sure, sure, absolutely. But see, I think you, you have, you have the confidence and you have the brain power to work your way through those things and make them funny. Uh, you know, you can get up there and be tasteless and that's not funny. No, you know? that's not funny. But being no. on the edge, you know, being controversial and funny, that's an art. And I think you, you, you can pull that off. Absolutely. And I think a lot of other Norwegian comics could as well, but they don't. They stay away from that type of material for some reason. Uh, you got to be fearless. They have to be fearless up there. But, you know, you, um, you, you call me brother, right? I do. Absolutely. Yeah. But how, can I call you that back or how sure. does that work? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you See, know, I have to be educated. You know? Well, well, but yeah, <laughs> yes, you have to be educated, but but, but don't overthink it either. No, that's um, um, yeah, you know, of, of of course, you can call me brother back. Um, I've had people say things like, um, you know, what 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 should I call you, John? Can I can I call you a a, a, a black guy? And then they kind of jump back like they're waiting for me to swing on them. It's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, black, I'm a black guy. Yeah. You know, there's nothing bad about that word black. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. L little things like that. You, you can't overthink it. I, I don't I don't believe in white guilt. Uh, every once in a while, especially with the things that are going on in America at the time, I'll have people come up to me and yeah. say, oh, John, I'm so sorry about what's going on. Uh, I, I'm, al I'm almost ashamed. I'm ashamed to be white. And I'm like, why, why would you say that? Yeah. Why would you feel guilty for the actions of a few ignorant racist people? You know, you're not racist, are you? You know, and if you're not, then, uh -huh. then what are you, what do you have to feel yeah. sorry about? I, I, I wish that whole thing about white guilt would just go away. You shouldn't feel guilty about these things unless you are taking part in it. So, so some, I think some, sometimes white people, both in America and here in Norway, maybe especially here in Norway, they have a tendency to overthink the racial issue to where it makes them uncomfortable to even come close to appearing 
uh, uh, racist or bigoted in some way. Just chill, yeah. just relax and, and chill. And there's really nothing to fear. No, but that's, yeah, that's so, so true. That's, mm -hmm. um, that, that's the problem. I mean, <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, that's a, a part, part of the problem. It's more <laughs> right to say, because, uh, yeah, we want uh, equality. We want the, uh, yeah, equal rights and everything. So we can't go around and say that, yeah, we're, we're this and that, uh, or, uh, you know, we have to talk about how to, how to make it better. I guess. I mean, but I think a lot of people's fear of the subject, a lot of people's uh, uncomfortableness and lack of knowledge on that subject means that there's not enough talk about it here in Norway. No, but it's not when people are uh, yeah, not talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I had um I had a great podcast episode with Kim Fairchild. Do you know who she is? Yeah. yeah. Uh, she's a bl black no. lady. She's uh, part uh, part American, part Jamaican. Uh, lived in Norway since yeah, she was a, l a little kid. She's a singer, singer and an actress. All uh, right, a, a black lady, and she gave me a challenge uh, because we were talking about this very subject about how racial issues or the big, meaningful, controversial issues are not spoken about here in Norway. Yeah, and. She says, well, you have a platform, John. Why don't you talk about it? And I was like, ah, ah. Yeah. yeah. And we went into this discussion about how, when was the last time you saw a black guy on TV2 or NRK, you know, on the national news, mm -hmm. being in a debate about any meaningful issue? It doesn't happen. Where are they? Yeah. Does that mean does that mean that there are no black guys who can speak up about the things that we face or does that mean that they're there but but the, but the I don't know the mainstream media if you will or the Norwegian society is not ready to hear those black mm. guys who are there to talk about those issues. I think it's the latter. I think it's that there are plenty of us out there who can speak about these things but society here is not ready to hear us. It's very interesting. Wait. Yeah. But you, you, you were um, at Kumor Norge? Yes, I was. Yeah. 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 And I should continue uh, doing that. I think I'm, I've kind of gotten away from, you see, and that whole thing was based on a solo episode, podcast episode that I did where I was talking about those issues. And I've yeah, kinda, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I and I, that was a great uh, podcast episode thank, as well. And thank I you. I remember I saw, I saw it on television. Thank you. Yeah, it went to, it went viral in a, in a sense over here in Norway. And, um, and like I said, Kim Fairchild, she told me I should continue with that kind of thing and get out there and keep talking about it because that is a whole demographic that is not being represented in the national discussion here in Norway. Again, you know, and I don't think it's racist. It's not racist that there's no black guys that are speaking out and being heard. I just think that it's the Norwegian society has this tendency to avoid the difficult subjects. Yeah, but that's that's true because uh, we have to uh, kind of you know research stuff and look it up. We it's not just presented, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's what makes it difficult as well because you know fake news and whatnot. You yeah, know? yeah. So 
Yeah. I don't think there's but, that much fake news out there that people no. think. I think a lot of people just mm. when they hear something they disagree with, they'll call it fake news. Exactly. <laughs> and then uh, you often see uh, and you just steer away from, you know, what you see is not yeah. relevant yeah. anyway. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, in because... Uh, you were a police officer as well. Yes. In yeah. the, in the states. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, with with uh, yeah, yeah, is um, is it allowed to say black? Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid, or uh, but I was just thinking now, like, what what's yeah, yeah. black, yeah. But, but, but you know, this yeah, black versus police. Yeah. Was that something? Uh, you um, felt like when you were... I saw... There were some incidences where I saw police officers get out of line uh, just in general, not be, not due to race, but they would step out of line and, and, and you know, kind of go over, over the edge. Uh, that happened, I don't want to say a lot, but it, it happened a significant amount of times. And yeah. then I also saw officers, um, I actually had to report another officer. Mm. This guy had the nerve, he had the balls to say something. He, re- he referred to a group of suspects, a group of black sus- suspects in a very racist way. He used some, some, some yeah. racist terminology All right. uh, to me. And it was just like, whoa, you know, I, I can't let this go. And I even tried to approach the guy, and he's he stood by what he said, so I had to take it further. So, yeah, that, that kind of thing has been mm-hmm. in the police environment in the United States since since day one, probably. Yeah. But what I think the problem is now, there's, there's two things. Uh, I don't know whether it's happening more and more often now. I don't know. But I do know that because everyone has a cell phone, we are actually seeing more of it. Yeah. I don't know if that's the actual rise in the occurrences of police brutality and, and, and racism in the police, but people are recording it more. So there's yeah. that. And then also, when we have a president who, you know, he sends out these dog whistles to racists all the time. I yeah. don't care whether someone supports Donald Trump or not. There's something wrong with you if you try to deny that he baits and dog whistles that racist right-wing element. If you deny that, there's something wrong with you. You're either lying or there's something wrong with you. So I think when we have a president who does that as often as he does, yeah. and you put on top of that, there was an FBI report from 2016, I believe it was, where the FBI says from their investigations, there is an alarming number of racist right wing you know hate group people who are actually infiltrating the police becoming police officers themselves so when that is happening when racists are coming in and getting hired by police departments and the president is kind of giving them the thumbs up on their racism and their brutality that's a problem that's a big problem that cannot be denied so the question becomes then what do we do about it yeah. You know, I'm not in any kind of position of power, but I do have my platform. So when it, you know, when, when good guests like you ask me these questions, I give the straightforward answer. You know, I do yeah. episodes like I did on the one that went viral and I talk about these things and, um, I catch a lot of heat for it. I've actually lost some friends because I speak openly about this, but maybe they weren't <laughs> the right kind of friend. 
to start with. No, uh, hopefully they see the truth yeah, <laughs> at some yeah. point. You know. Uh, so, so the, the, there's there's definitely some problems in the in in the police, and um, I don't think it helps to say because this is a fact. Most police in the United States are good people, good men and women, yeah, doing a good job. But I don't think it helps to say that because the damage that those handful of bad cops do, that damage is so great. It affects so many people in such a profound way. It doesn't help to say that most police are good police. It doesn't help at all. No. We have to deal with that bad element. And I, I don't know. It remains to be seen how that's going to be dealt with. Yeah. I mean, and now it's, it's uh, difficult to, um, you know, to, to understand, you know, how, how it is. But I mean, for, yeah. Um, a young uh, black guy or uh, what have you. I mean, when you time after time are being accused for doing something that you didn't do, you know, it's, yeah. yeah, it creates this tense situation. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Cause every time you just walking down the street, the police comes and you think, ah, oh, I, I don't want to be, you know, I they've, don't want him to stop they, me. So you, yeah. Yeah. They've done studies on that. And that is a form of community post-traumatic stress syndrome the whole yeah. community is suffering from a type of post-traumatic stress syndrome because they and their family and all of their friends and everyone they know time after time after time after time have yeah. had these 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 unfair negative experiences with the police um yeah. i don't know and I th who was it i think it was uh i think it was dl hughley another great American comic. If you've never checked him out, you should check him out. Yeah. He said that um, when you hear white people say, yeah, but all the cops that I know are good people, you know, they're probably right yeah. because they live in a neighborhood or in a city or town that recruits a certain type of police officer. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. And there's a different kind of police officer or a different kind of police force for these other neighborhoods that are poor, uh, yeah. black or brown neighborhoods and it's a different type of policing that's being done there so yeah. the people that live in these more um, affluent neighborhoods these white people need to show more and it's happening there's more and more white people showing um, uh, sympathy empathy and becoming allies but we need we need more of that yeah because yeah, uh, I read also about you know um in poor neighborhoods and stuff, even though you're a good guy, the police, if they want you in the in their system, oh, yeah. they might try yeah. to like yeah, tax you for something or, or yeah. something like that. And, and they know that you won't be able to maybe pay that tax or something. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, then suddenly you're in the system because, you know. I can't remember the gentleman's name. There was a guy from New York. Was it somewhere in Brooklyn? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, a black guy in, in New York City got arrested for stealing. They said he stole um, like a backpack or something like that. He got put on Rikers Island and he was there for years waiting for a trial. He ended up committing suicide. Yeah. And then, I, it, I yes, and then it came out afterwards that, well, they got the wrong guy. He never stole anything. Oh yeah. You see. So see that that happens a mm. lot. It happens 
mostly to black and brown people and it is coloring (laughs) forgive the pun but it is (laughs) it is coloring see that's the kind of stand-up stuff i do too (laughs) but it's but it is literally coloring their life it is such a big part of their life you, they 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 can't ignore that relationship that they that they have with the police if they know that at the drop of a hat they can be arrested for something they didn't do and be exactly. locked up for years and when that happens i mean obviously you have like this sort of feeling of being worthless you know and it yes. just multiplies every yes. time yes. someone gets, you know does that to you or yes. To someone you know. Well, I was just going to say, it's also to someone yeah. you know. You know, you, you could yeah. be a five or six-year-old boy, and you've seen this happen to your father. What is that going to yeah. do to that five or six-year-old boy? And maybe they didn't just see it happen mm. to their father, but maybe it happened several times to their father or to their uncles or their grandfather. And it becomes a family thing. It becomes a family trauma that several generations have to deal with. And that's yeah. not being taking into, taken into consideration when you have people who say, oh, well, if you act right you'll be fine. That's yeah. not, that's, that, that doesn't really fit. That's not the truth. That's true. Yeah. And as you say, um, if you're a bit older, um, I read this story. It was Ice-T, you know, the rapper. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he told a story that um, his mother, uh, her sewing, sewing machine, yeah. you know, uh, was stolen or something. So she called the police. And when the police came, they uh, kind of started to, uh, you know, um, questioning Ice-T and oh, the wow. boys that were standing outside, you know. Huh. Even though the mother tried to say, no, that's my son. That's not why you are here. The police are just like, you know, drawing their guns and stuff and like saying, get in the house. And That's crazy. I mean, it's it's a, an unnecessary situation. I mean, it is. It's very unnecessary. And I think it just boils down to compassion. If you care about other people, you can't sit quietly by and watch this happen. Um, no. That's why I don't understand the people who want to go online and argue against these facts. They want to say that it's, you know, they want to just erase my experience as a black man. They want to erase the black experience Mm. and just, you know, we're all wrong. We are all exaggerating or we just want a handout. Yeah. And and I guess it's it's kind of, you know, stereotypical, but um, it's it's a complex thing. It is. It happens. So it's. Yeah, I I don't know. It's uh, yeah. It's um, it's difficult. I mean, if uh, you're you're a you know, young black uh, guy, you uh, grow up in a poor neighborhood. I mean, you 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 are going to be afraid of the police, you know. Yeah. Again, yeah. It's it's a community. It's it's a it's it's a plague in those communities where because that's all that they've seen generation yeah. after generation. So. Yeah, as you said, you know, maybe something happened to your father, yeah. you know, as you said, and then mm-hmm. your neighbor, and then, yeah, and then you just look around and you just see, you know, buildings that are <laughs> not <laughs> taken care of. Every, it, it, yeah. Why should you care? Yeah. Why should you not try to, yeah. you know, sell drugs exactly. maybe or just do some shortcuts? Yeah. Because yeah. no one cares anyways. Exactly. And the police, exactly. They're, they're after you anyways, so... 
That, that sums it up. Yeah. yeah. That sums it up. You know, and it's, and it's not that bad here in Norway. It's not even close to being that bad in here in Norway, but there is a debate. There is a discussion that needs to be had here in Norway and it's not mm. being had. And I, 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 you know, a shout out to Kim Fairchild for giving me that challenge and telling me to continue speaking out and, and, and continue with making appearances uh, on the news and, and things yeah. like that. And, I think I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah but you, you should. But it's so, yeah, because that's the only way I'm, like, trying to, not, not the only way, but it's part of the understanding of the thing. It's just to see, you know, when you're that deep in the situation, yeah. then uh, how how could you, like, have a real view of what's yeah, right yeah. and wrong? Yeah, the conversation sense? needs to be had. It needs to be an open debate. Uh, it's a little strange that that debate's not being had. It's funny because I see a lot of people on the political right here in Norway, uh, talking about how they don't want things to get like they are in the United States when it comes to race relations or they, or even closer to home. Yeah. We don't want things to be like they are in Malmö in, in Sweden. Right. Mm. They say that all the time. And it's like, I get that fear, but if you truly don't want that to happen, then you have to start having a dialogue on that subject and nobody is having that, that there's not one person who is, who is visible um, in the daily news uh, here in Norway, who is talking about Mm. that. Not one person. That's, uh, I mean, that's also part of the problem. Big part of the problem. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's life. Life in Norway. Life in Norway. <laughs> we are uh, having a good time because we are not uh, seeing the problems. You know, we don't want to see. We we don't want to deal with anything. We just well, that is yeah, uh, fine. That yeah. is very Norwegian. You know, I um, yeah. If there's if there's one thing that scares me about living here in Norway, and it, it is that Norwegian reluctance to have a dialogue about the things that are important. Yeah. That it's not an issue yet, but it's going to be an issue. It's going to be a problem in Norway eventually, because the world is changing. The world is changing. Yeah, yeah, Nor- is. Norway so is changing too. But so much has uh, happened. I see memes and stuff online now, just from February. Like, uh, yeah, so so much stuff. And I also <laughs> read about uh, what you said with uh, Trump and you know, yeah. white supremacists and yeah. uh, every uh, you know. It's that, uh, that's a part of it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so much. Uh. So much stuff. <laughs> so what's your, what's your plans on this weekend? Are you going on stage anywhere tonight? Uh, not, not, not tonight. Um, next time I'm going on stage is in uh, Stavanger. Oh, really? A tra- traveling, yeah, so traveling man. Yeah. Traveling man. And if I had new, um, known that I, uh, sh- you know, when I booked the tickets, tickets, it was uh, allowed to, you know, travel and all. Now yeah. it's still it's still allowed, but now they say you shouldn't go if you don't have to. Oh, you know? dilemma, knew, dilemma. If, yeah, so I'm just yeah. So I'm just saying. Now I, I am going to go. I am going to do stand up, but. <sighs> I'm just saying that to clean my name, you know. I, oh, okay. I, did I good, see. I did it in good faith, you know. I see what you're doing here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, are you so? So you're you're flying down to Stavanger. 
Yeah. Yes. So I'm going to wear a ma- mask and everything. You know? Would you feel? Would you consider driving? Would you feel safer if you drove down there? No, I don't think so. No. Actually, no. 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 I think uh, the with masks and uh, everything. I think the plane is safe. Uh, yeah. And it's a shorter ride in a sense. That's true. <laughs> how, how big is uh, how big is the the venue where you're going to be performing? Uh, Do you know? I think it's quite uh, quite big actually. Okay. Um, but I'm I'm not sure. I'm okay. Not sure. Yeah. But I know they have a lot of good uh, names there, and it's, it's going to be a be a good night. Yeah. Hopefully. Now, who, who I, does your booking? Do you do your own booking? Do you get these yes. gigs yourself? Okay, good. Like last night when I was drunk, you you know, I get confidence so to send uh, <laughs> messages to everyone. Yeah. So that's what I do. There you go. <laughs> and then I see the day after that it was okay. I wasn't I wasn't out of line, you know. <laughs> but that's how you get gigs if you have to like uh, you know step somewhat out of the crowd. You can't well, just say like, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I send out uh, regular bookings as well, you know, like, please, can I, sure. uh, or what do I do to yeah. uh, do some stand up here? Yeah. But yesterday I was a bit more creative, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it pays, uh, it pays off. Well, that's good. You know, the gigs are not going to be handed to you, you know. Um, no, no, no. I think the, 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 the well, not just comics, but musicians, you know, whatever. Uh, if you're an entertainer, you know, take that responsibility to go out there and, and, and find the gigs. I wonder yeah. if, um, you know, there's some musicians out there who have like a manager or a booking agency. But I wonder if they're missing out on something by not trying to get those gigs themselves. Yeah, because you you have to you make the connections, yeah. talk to people, you know. Yeah. And I, I actually that was before I got drunk. Uh, I sent a message to John Jarde. Okay. Yeah. Talked about him, and uh, he texted me back and said, uh, "Joachim, I'm going to tell you when you can do stand up in Dublin, and I'm telling you now. Are you ready for Fourth of November? So that was the answer. So." <laughs> I'm going to be at the Union uh, in November, 4th of uh, November. I think I'm doing that night as well, or I'm, I'm scheduled to do that night. Now, yeah, I hope. I, I had hope to, I've had to back out of the last two, three, three bookings that I had. Why? Or not bookings, but opportunities. Man, I tell you, it's this shoulder. Oh, yeah. I am in I... so much pain uh, from that last yeah. surgery. I just... Uh, yeah, I, you know, it, <laughs> it, it, it's hard to describe, but it is so painful just to i don't know if you can see me in the picture but i have this table to my left and i I have to rest my arm oh yeah okay so to 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 stand even for five or ten minutes just standing and having my arm hanging down and putting that pressure on my shoulder is just it's too much and the pain is so much in my head it makes it hard for me to to yeah, yeah you know yeah. But uh, do you uh, need another surgery for the shoulder? Or? Um, we don't know at the moment. Um, I've had so many surgeries and there's so many of these little, um, they put these like metal, like, like anchoring things in there. Just about every surgery I've had, they've added one or two of those. So, so I have a bunch of these anchors <laughs> pounded into my, my, my bone up in there. 
And we, we are wondering if that is causing some trouble. So maybe all of those anchorings have to be removed and that's going to be another serious, not not just like a, uh, you know, a simple surgery. This is going to be serious. So that's not uh, with that little light and uh, knife. No, this will be, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Drilling and all kinds of stuff like that. So, but we don't know yet. We, I might have to do that. We're, we're going to keep going through uh, the physical therapy that I'm doing now and the follow-up I'm getting from the surgeon. We're going to keep doing this for a little while longer and see if there's any results. But I tell you, man, it's really putting the brakes on my plans when it comes to stand-up and music as well. Yeah, because you can't really yeah, play the guitar either. Yeah, you know, I got called in to, I have to give a shout-out to uh, Raimund Olsen, who called me in for a studio session, he's coming with a solo project and he wanted me to play bass on it. And cool. I, so, so I did that and I, I liked it because it was a very short process. We, we practiced on the song twice and then we went right into the studio. I, I, I love, <laughs> that's the way I like it. That, but, yeah, but just, fresh. yeah, but just those mm-hmm. two days, maybe an hour and a half each time no, we practice yeah. and maybe an hour and a half in the studio, just that. And my shoulder has been on fire because of it it's just it's a it's a physical process to sit there and play and play an instrument so yeah. that's that's how bad i am i mean it's just putting the brakes on everything man yeah and you know you you, you are um a guitar player you know you, you're not as strong as uh, the bass players <laughs> <laughs> says the bassist himself yes yeah, that's the bassist <laughs> well you know i i uh i play all the instruments on my own material so i can play the bass but i never nice. thought of myself yeah. as a bassist so it was quite the honor to get called in to do that session yeah yeah, yeah. That, that was what, what i was thinking as well that's yeah. cool that you can you know go to other projects and do different instruments yeah it was very uh, very yeah. cool very cool it's a boost for your uh, everything absolutely really. well yeah. it was good to be able to you know because i am at heart an artist whether we're talking about writing whether we're talking about stand-up or whether we're talking about music that's what i want to do i want to do my art and because of covid because of the shoulder surgery everything has just been suppressed i have not been as active as i have wanted to for the last yeah. three years because uh, i i wanted to to ask you uh actually yeah um uh, you, you you're you're 50 years old now 51 no? 51 yeah i'm so pretty uh, look at that yeah, 51 yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't look like 50, <laughs> 51 <laughs> yeah pretty and all yes <laughs> but yeah because i wanted to like ask you you know so do you have any advice uh for me as a as a as a young man you know uh, but you you kind of gave me some advice now in the previous <laughs> you know you have just be because uh, yeah about being an artist at heart you know that's what i'm thinking as well that sure. now i like stand up that's what i do but i you know I'm keeping every opportunity uh, alive. Sort of. And I think that's yeah. what is important. You, you cannot let opportunities pass you by. Um, but not only that, you have to actively create opportunities for yourself. That's kind of what I was getting at about, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people will rely on a booking agency or a manager to find their opportunities for them. And that's fine. <clears throat> but nobody knows, your, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> nobody knows your vision except for you. 
Yeah. You can try and re- <clears throat> relate what you want. You can try and relate that to someone else, but they don't really get it. You know what you want. So you take up that challenge and make yeah. it happen for yourself. It's going to give you a different sense of self-worth. It's going to give you a different um, sense of security within your art. If you go out and create those opportunities for yourself, that would be my greatest advice <clears throat> is never underestimate your talent. And when you know how talented you are and when you know what your vision is, you do everything you can to make it happen. And it looks like that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, if you do that as well, then you, you kind of burn more for, uh, you know, uh, yes. for, um, yes. Because yes. uh, when I was booking uh, yesterday, uh, drunk and not drunk, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, then I, for example, I saw this place in Fredrikstad. Yeah. And I felt, okay, I can combine that with something else, you know? So it made me like want to, yeah, okay, so it's going to be a road trip, kind of. I can do this and that, and yeah. I can do stand-up. Yeah, yeah. Let's go, like, and then there you, go. you try to book it. And then because, so you make stuff happen. You make because, it. yeah, not, in that instance, not only are you doing something to further your art, but you are also engaging yourself in your own in the structure of your own life. You know, this is an opportunity for the road trip, for the experience. You know, if you take somebody with you, maybe it's a chance to bond with a friend or, or yeah, whatever. Exactly. So it becomes more than just the business side of being a stand-up comic. You know, you're actually contributing, actively contributing to the enjoyment of your own life. Yeah, and yeah. actually I've been doing that as well. Uh, with uh, a couple of weeks ago, I booked a place where I said uh, yeah but could you book me and this guy ah, for example, yes. you know yeah and then and then we went together you know and well, then see, he did that for me uh, another time you know see and that's what i'm talking about yeah. that's what i like to see yeah. in the norwegian uh stand-up community more of that more of this yes. sense of brotherhood and sisterhood of pulling up others with you on your journey and all it's going to do is benefit everyone you touch and it will come back around to you it's more of that yeah. community feeling and what i like as well is um this guy uh, he's called um uh, magnus you you met him i think tall guy i yeah. like him very much i, li- I like his stand-up i think he's uh, great but um and one time he um, bombed on stage <laughs> really bad. I wasn't uh-huh. there. Uh-huh. But what he did was the genius thing. Yeah. Because on his way home, instead of, you know, being bombed out about that, he gave me a call to say that, say what happened. And then it turned out, it turned into a fun oh. conversation, you know, yeah. instead of him being, you know, sad or yeah. <laughs> what have you. So that's what I do as well. If I have a bad night, I'll, I call him, for yeah. example. Yeah. And then we just make some jokes about it instead yeah. of, you know, yeah. sit there just being miserable, really. Cause because that's what c- could happen. Yeah, you know? because it's, yeah. it's a very, it's a very, it, it can be a very personal, uh, you know, you, you, you feel like the audience is doing something to you personally. You know, it's like, why aren't you laughing at this? This is terrible. You guys are so mean to me. And you can, that can really go in and start eating away at your confidence. And you just get this feel. It's almost like you broke up with your girlfriend when you were 16 years old, that feeling of rejection. Yes. (laughs) It's so easy to feel 
as a stand-up comic. That's happened to me once where I really felt bad and depressed after bombing. But so yeah. far, for the most part, I laugh at it, and then I go back good. and listen good. to it and turn it into something good. But that you bring in a fellow comic like you do to yeah. go through it and to talk about it and, and to make that bad feeling go away, man, that's, that's genius right there. That's what's going to give you longevity. That's what's going to make you Hopefully. still be active and not bitter when in, in stand-up. Yeah, because you make everything into a learning experience. Everything. You make everything into something good. Yes. And if I, yeah, I mean, so, okay, so I bombed, but I can talk about it now on a podcast and yeah. I can laugh about it. I lived and I learned. And also what I've been doing uh, the, po the last times before going on stage, instead of thinking, you know, thinking that, oh, I hope they like me, I hope blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I have a new mental approach now. And I know you probably have this from before because you're um, you're good uh, that way, you know. But now, instead of thinking that, I'm thinking uh, that I'm, first off, I'm looking forward to going on stage, but I'm thinking, oh, I can't wait to give them a real show. Yes, uh, yeah. Kind of, you know? yeah. Saying I, I don't care now um, if there are five people, hundred people. I prefer a hundred people. Then say those five are in for a treat. That's <laughs> what's gonna happen now. There you go. There and you go. Then we go. Yeah. So you know, some I'm, I'm picturing myself as a real stand-up com comedian. You know. And, and there's the difference. Yeah. There's the difference. Yeah. That's the yes. difference that I yeah. see in you from when I first met you. Up until now. Because then, I, uh, yeah, you're thinking like, oh, I hope I cross my fingers. I hope they laugh. No, yeah. no, it's not that way anymore. No. I know uh, that if I do this and that, they will laugh. And if they don't, well, I don't care. Well, you know, and, and, and there's there's the confidence. I, I just love seeing yeah. that kind of confidence. And I love seeing that kind of growth in an artist. And, and, and you have exemplified that I've seen it, you know, you're, you're, you're a different stand up now than you were. And I hear that just in the way you talk about stand up now that you're different than what you were when I first met you. Yeah. And the, these conversations and everything, we, we learn a lot all the time. You know? Oh, absolutely. I, I love talking with other standups like, like this, you know, because you have insight. I have insight. We share ideas, you know, um, it's, it's a learning process. Just like every set is a learning process. Every conversation I have with another comic is a learning process. And also, um, I just uh, thought of when you, um, you told me about, you know, seize every opportunity and stuff. Because I thought of this the other day that, uh, you know, people, they want a time machine, right? <laughs> people talk about that. But I'm I was thinking all of a sudden that, I don't need a time machine, you know, because I am the best me now. There you go. That, that's what I was thinking. And, you know, I will. This is how I'm think, thinking all the time. I will convince, you know, myself every day <laughs> that I am, uh, you know, uh, it may not be true, maybe. But uh, and some opportunities are, in fact, you know, water under the bridge or what have you. <laughs> But I will convince myself that I can do anything. Yeah. Well, you know? and, and it's that type mm -hmm. of fearlessness. And that's not arrogance either. That's not being no, no, arrogant. No, no. That's confidence. That's yeah. that's wanting to excel in your form of art. That's yeah. what that is. And it's yeah, and, and I think yeah, the, the bottom line is 
it may not be true. And I know that, but I just have to convince myself that it is. Yeah. Just yeah. for a short moment of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It may not be true, but it has to be. You know, right before you step on that stage, convince myself I'm uh, the best stand-up. There you go, yeah. And that's how it's going to be for the next 10 minutes. And that, and that, that is, may not be true. But that's, that's the confidence yeah. and the fearlessness you have to have, absolutely. I was yeah. laughing, you were talking about a time machine just yesterday. Uh, <laughs> we we have a bunch, of, I've bought a whole bunch of uh, powerlifting equipment and we got the last piece of equipment here at home. And the whole family was out in the garage setting it up yesterday. And I don't want to hang my kids out there, but they're just not, sometimes they're not the best workers. They, they lose focus and all this stuff. So I, I, I looked at my wife, you know, cause I don't want to yell at the kids. I, so I try to be funny. So I look at my wife and I said, you know, I wish I had a time machine because I would put these kids in there and set the time for like, I don't know, 1830, 1840, <laughs> send them back to Mississippi for like a week and then bring them back. And I guarantee you they will be better workers. And she kind of stopped and she's, and she didn't really get it, you know, sending them to Mississippi in 1840, two little black kids, slavery, <laughs> ha ha, they'll learn how to work. <laughs> So I think, I think, I think I was thinking yesterday, you know, because even though I haven't done much stand up recently, I am constantly writing and coming up with ideas yeah. and that concept, that idea right there of a time machine to send these two kids who don't know how to work, send them back. I'm going to see that, if I can work good, it. Um, I'm going to work it. It's a good joke. It's a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> Those poor kids. They, they got it though. My kids are used to, uh, our daughter is, uh, almost 14 and our son, no, I'm sorry, almost 15 and our son is almost 13. So they've been hearing me say these kind of things yeah. ever since they, <laughs> they were babies. They yeah. So they got it right away. And it, and it just adds to the humor of the moment because my wife is always a couple of steps behind understanding <laughs> the joke. She just doesn't, she just doesn't get it. Yeah, but it's true because uh, if I, um, uh, when I have the kids around as well, uh, I haven't been doing stand up that much uh, for that long. Uh, but uh, I um, if uh, there's a stand-up gig um, yeah coming up, yeah. I'm practicing, right? Oh yeah. So yeah, so the kids are uh, they're just used to me going around talking to myself. You know? <laughs> and sometimes I'm probably just talking to myself, but I can just say no, I'm just practicing. <laughs> I practice a lot of my stuff on yeah. my kids and on my wife. I do, and and, yeah. and I've always figured it out. And so far, this is true. If my wife laughs at a bit that I do. It yeah. always hits hard with the crowd because my wife just doesn't laugh that much at things. <laughs> so if she does laugh at it, then I know it's a good thing. And then it's you know go it's real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but actually, yeah, I just thought of something that I did yesterday that was funny when I was drunk again. <laughs> again, again. <laughs> I, I actually made... <laughs> Because I saw uh, an email popping up now with a confirmation, and I just remembered I made some merchandise, not not for to sell to you know fans or what have you, but yeah. I made some sweaters to wear on stage. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I just remembered. Is it like and, a lo uh, is it like a logo or something? Yeah, w what I did was because I was talking, I I've been talking to this. Um, uh, 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 to this girl, uh, she's called uh, Uria Oftedal, 
I don't know if you know who she is. She she has a podcast called The Power Ladies. And I've heard of that podcast, yeah. Yeah, and she does a lot of great stuff. And I, I really, I, I think she's yeah, just fantastic, really. So uh, I was talking to her uh, yesterday, and um, she said she is going to give me, you know, a theme or something important, uh, something I can respectfully, you know, make a joke out of. Okay. You know, as, as we are talking about, you know, uh, draw attention to something. Sure. Sure. Important, you yeah. know. So, so just see uh, what that will be. But I wanted to, you know, pay her, uh, her some respect. So one of the teachers just says Irya Uftedal uh, approves. <laughs> That's just one <laughs> yes. of them. Yes. Because she 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 has a, a voice, you know. She's she's doing great stuff. And my stand up, uh, as I told her as well, is now harsh. It's, uh, you know, uh-huh. it's on the edge and everything. So it's going to clash a bit that my T-shirt says that, that it's going to be a joke in itself. <laughs> because she's, it. she's all about uh, women's uh, right and everything. Yeah. And so am I. Yeah. But, you know, I'm joking about it. Yeah. So yeah. I just have to see if I can. I should check out her podcast. Yeah. I've heard of that podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I only... Um, I listen to it uh, once in a while. And I always in, in, enjoy it enjoy it so um i think it was really um, cool of her to like uh, yeah talk to me you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because i know she's busy and everything but so who, but i was drunk so i had uh, you know the confidence who is the most famous celebrity or most influential person that you've ever had the opportunity to spend time with oh that's a difficult question that's a difficult question who can that be um have you heard of this film, uh, The Room? Yes. Yeah, Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, yeah. Um, he had a showing of that film uh, when I was studying back in the UK um, at Prince Charles Cinema. So he was there, and um, yeah, I uh, yeah I got uh, to talk to him for ah. quite a bit, and I I actually told him that. Uh, out of all the celebrities in uh, in the world, <laughs> I think it's uh, you are the most fun meeting. <laughs> ah, cool. <laughs> no, no, but uh, we we talked, and he he he's a character, but yeah. he's you know, I think he's a, he's a good guy. I, I don't know, but uh, he gave you no, a good. I have to think about that that because um, yeah, famous people. What about you? Oh are wow, you, yeah. Um... Well, most recently on my podcast, there's a couple of people. Uh, I had Ralph Molina, the drummer from Neil Young's band Crazy Horse. Yeah, and and I also uh, uh, saw that you had the guy from Tiger King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but talk about the drummer first. Well, well, I, just having yeah. him on because uh, if I go back to 2017, 16 or 17, I was mm-hmm. on a album project where I had written <clears throat> a country album for a Norwegian yep. friend of mine, an artist here, and he had sent one of those song demos to a producer named Elliot Mazer. Uh, he is the producer for a lot of Neil Young's albums, among them his Harvest album, things like that. He produced Janis Joplin, Linda Ronstadt, people like that. Uh, Elliot, Elliot Mazer is a very important producer. So he liked the demo that was sent. So he came to Norway 
nice to uh to produce that album and i got to work with him for what was he here for like 10 days or something like that and to get to hang out with that guy the producer for one of my favorite artists and yeah, that's the same thing yeah we had uh we did one night of recording out in uh speedberg uh at a studio out there so that was like and this was in the winter time so the roads were kind of bad so i had like a two hour long drive from the studio back to drummond alone oh. alone in the car with elliot mazer oh that's that's i'll that's never forget something. it i'll never forget that but were you a bit nervous as no, well not at all not at all not at all because he was so normal you know what i mean no. um so anyway so when i met elliot you know that kind of introduced me into that neil young world and through him uh all of a sudden i got a message from ralph molina something to the effect of welcome to the to the family so this is back in 2016, oh. 2017. So we've been chatting back and forth for three or four years now. And then all of a sudden it just landed in my head. Hey, dummy, you know, you're, you're friends with Ralph. Ask him to be on the podcast. <laughs> so I did. And, and I was, I was very honored that he said yes, because he doesn't do media things like that. You cannot find an interview of Ralph and, Molina. And, and he did the podcast. And he did my podcast. Oh my God. That's, that's awesome. So, so ble God bless that guy. He is the kindest, sweetest. He is, he has to be the kindest celebrity that I've ever met. He's so warm and down to earth and, uh, uh, shout out to Ralph Molina. If he's listening, I just, I love that guy. So I would say Elliot Mazur, Ralph Molina, uh, Rick from the tiger King. um, Eddie Kramer, here's another producer. What? Eddie Kramer, Jimi Hendrix's uh, uh, producer. He produced Kiss. He produced Led Zeppelin, or was an engineer for Led Zeppelin. Uh, Eddie Kramer engineered all of the sound uh, at the Woodstock Festival in 69. Mm. Um, I had, uh, now this is going back to maybe 2004 or five, if I remember right. There was a song contest here in Drummond because Eddie Kramer had discovered, so to speak, some Norwegian metal band called Hangface. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. No, I don't think so. They're actually pretty popular in the States and California right now, but this was, yeah. they had, they were just getting started. Eddie Kramer had produced and recorded and financed their first album. So Hangface was going to have a release concert in Oslo at, uh, at uh, Gamle. That uh, yeah, Gamla in Os in Oslo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And in combination with that, they were they they had a music or like a songwriting contest where you could write a song, send it in to Eddie Kramer, and then he would choose which band or artist would be the opening act for Hangface at their at their release party. Uh -huh. So it was it was very funny because Hangface was this metal band and Eddie Kramer is known for, you know, classic rock. So what do I do? I submit a, it's like an R and B soul type of song. I submitted that song. And of course it didn't win, no. but it led to, because I, I had the guts to do that. I actually was asked to perform for the after party. Oh, fantastic. For Eddie Kramer's yeah. record company. And this was down in, um, in, 
what's it called? Down by Kristiansand, Lillesand, Lillesand. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, at this beautiful mansion right on the coast, and we, me and my band, went down there and played for hours for the entire afternoon and half of the night for Eddie Kramer's uh, people in his record company. There's maybe 300 people partying and listening to our music out there. That's amazing. Yeah. But let me go back though. Before that, now at, at the, um, at the actual release party, you know, of course my song didn't get selected and I hadn't even been asked to do the after party yet. Uh, now my wife was uh, about seven or eight months pregnant with our first child. So her belly was out, you know, out to here. And Eddie Kramer was there in the crowd. And of course, everybody was like, oh, my gosh, look at him. That's Eddie Kramer, you know, this legend. So my wife knew how much I respected all the work that Eddie Kramer has done. So she goes through this crazy crowd of heavy metal fans with her belly sticking out in front of her <laughs> and literally grabbed Eddie Kramer by the arm and dragged him back to me and says, here, you need to talk to my husband. Eddie That's Kramer stood hard. there with me at Gamla in Oslo, and we talked for about 15 minutes straight about music. Nice. And it was that conversation with him, plus the craziness of my song being submitted like that, that he asked me and my band to do the after party. That's so that how was it Crea creating opportunities, seizing opportunities. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that was very cool to meet Eddie Kramer. But I don't know. I guess <laughs> Eddie Kramer. No, I I think I think the coolest the coolest celebrity I've met is probably Ralph Molina because he's a fr I consider him a friend. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, and he was also very kind to me when I when I lost my son. Uh, Ralph had some very kind words. But he, I, I consider Ralph a friend. I'd say Ralph is the coolest celebrity I've ever met. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. I I have to meet some celebrities. I think. <laughs> <laughs> But not not all of them are not all of them are cool. Some of them are jerks. When you meet yeah. those those heroes, and then you find out that they're not. Oh yeah, the no, person I don't you want to do that. Were. I don't want to do that. And they could have a bad day as well. Sure, and, then, and that's uh, allowed. That's allowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, man, we've been talking for an hour and a half. I'm sure you you need to get up and put on a shirt and do something yeah. productive today. <laughs> I, I'm I'm actually gonna go and uh, work out. Because, you know, um, this other stand-up comedian that's called uh, uh, Peter Adams. Yeah. Have we spoke about him before? Yeah, Maybe. I think so, yeah. No, he, he wants to uh, be an uh, MMA fighter as well. Aha. Uh -huh. So I'm, I'm training him, or uh, you could say training with him. So I'm going to go and kick his ass. <laughs> now now I'm, I'm cramped up in my legs, so I can't, ah. I can't get up. <laughs> oh. gonna, uh, yeah. Well, there's no better way to solidify a good friendship than by whooping his ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I wrote to him uh, that I'm going to... That, that I'm feeling like uh, Jeff, Jeffrey Dahmer, is it? So I'm going to kill him and eat him for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's good protein there. That's good protein. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, Joachim, uh, yet again, I appreciate the, the, the conversation. I'm so glad to have you on my podcast episode. I love talking about stand-up with, with you. You're probably the most, uh, the easiest person to talk stand-up with that I know of all of the Norwegian comics. So I really enjoy it. Yeah. So, yeah, 
Thank you, brother. Is it? Thank you, brother. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, and, brother. Uh, ho- hopefully, I-, I see you on the fourth of uh, November. Yeah, I'm going to be talking with Jon Yada, and I just have to kind of feel my way through it. So I'm. It may be that I have to cancel at the last minute, but uh, my intention is to get up there. I've. It's been too long since I've done stuff. Yeah, you should uh, should get out there. Yeah, that yeah. Be, it would be good to see you too. You know. So. Likewise. Likewise. Yeah. All right, my friend, take care of yourself. Have a wonderful day, and we'll talk again soon. We will. Okay. All right. Thanks, you, Akeem. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody, that's Joachim Aikiri. Bye, everybody. Thank you and goodbye.